Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Welcome to episode 57, where we're talking with Nicole. Stay tuned as we talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths of our poly lives. All right. So Nicole, who are you? My name is Nicole. I am a cis woman, uh, bisexual, and really, really recently discovered Polly. <laughs> All right. And is there anything else you want to say about your identity? Uh, I'm a theater nerd. and not normally the one being recorded or in front of anything. I'm the stage manager <laughs> and a behind the scenes person normally. But yeah, big theater nerd. <laughs> Cool. Um, so what does polyamory mean to you? Polyamory to me means you are able to love as many people as deeply as you feel. And it's about not having to stifle any part of you just because you think that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> uh, it's about, I mean, especially the poly I'm most familiar with, the, the kitchen table poly. It's about like a group of people just working together to be supportive and each other's really great chosen family and it's so far so good <laughs> awesome and what drew you to polyamory uh what drew me to polyamory was seeing uh how normal it was <laughs> i had heard the word you know in probably a psych class or something like that in college but then i met some really great friends down here uh who are poly and are wonderful and i realized oh, when they were talking about their journeys and stuff like that, I was like, oh, okay, a lot of stuff's clicking into place suddenly. <laughs> so it was nice to finally feel like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> oh, there's words for that. Yeah. Well, that's sort of related to the next question, which is, when did you know you were Polly? <laughs> when did I know? Probably like maybe truly a year or two ago. I uh, just very recently discovered like that's my truth mm -hmm. uh, and also knew I didn't realize I was bi until about maybe five years ago. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, once it clicked into place, you realize, oh, that wasn't just me thinking that that friend is real nice and special. No, you, you had a crush and on so her. so pretty. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, you had a crush on her. It's, it's okay. And that was through connecting with these people? Yes, it was yeah. through connecting with the people through... Um, you know, just seeing how they lived very like ethically non-monogamous lives and seeing like, oh, this is all in the up and up. It's not, no one's being secretive. No one's being conniving. It's very good and like whole, like wholesome, but like, these are not very wholesome people. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <a wonderful way. laughs> but, but the way that they live their lives is very like, oh, like a breath of fresh air to see like functioning good relationships. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is there anything that you find particularly difficult about polyamory? Uh, well, right now, you know, really realizing you're poly in a pandemic is not ideal. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I, we've had some episodes, I think, where we've alluded to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know for me, it being very new and listening to the podcast and reading stuff, I know I've got jealousy issues. So I think that'll be something I'll have to work through and just be really uh, mindful of myself going into anything, just making sure I keep myself and keep communication open. I'm not also the best at talking. 
being that Wait, what being that stage mm-hmm. manager. oh <laughs> <laughs> i do not i don't see that about you <laughs> we're not dating <laughs> 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 easy to talk to people you're not dating <laughs> that is funny um so when did you first feel different well, I didn't know I was different until five years ago. Well, I I think I always thought everyone looked at their friends' butts. Um, <laughs> I think I thought that, you know, I I grew up in a very small, very conservative town and I you were either gay or straight. And because, well, yeah, I might think she's cute, but I definitely have a crush on him. Like he and I are like, this is good. So I must be straight. And this is just how everyone functions. And Truly, until I moved to Milwaukee six years ago and um, was immediately, I lived with um, a drag king performer and was introduced to that whole world very quickly, which was fabulous. And I saw that community. I was like, oh, okay, it's okay to be different. And there's labels and there's words and there's a whole world to explore in this. <laughs> yeah, definitely growing up in a small town, very similar and close yeah. to yours. There were there were probably a handful of, of queer kids, right? Myself included. Yeah. But... I don't, I don't know that any of them really truly actually came out until well into college, you know, again, myself included. (laughs) Yeah. One guy came out like our senior year, but even then that was kind of not talked about, like we were friends, but Mm -hmm. but yay. And there are no queer women that were out in high school uh, that I, at least that I was aware of, but I had my inklings, but uh, (laughs) they weren't out. They were not out. They were just really into sports, you know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> a, yep She's so it. athletic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, where do you feel you are on your poly journey? I feel like I just took off from the blocks. I feel like <laughs> I am very new. I'm excited to finally have the words, the vocabulary, the the great examples. The I, I feel like I'm in a good group to start and like now that I'm discovering more of the people in Milwaukee now that I know there's a fantastic poly community in Milwaukee and things like that it's I'm very excited to see where this all goes and be a part of it is there anywhere in particular that you are hoping it will go with you for you um I I mean right now because it's all I've been kind of introduced to I would like to always have sort of a kitchen table thing of like everyone you don't have to be everybody's best friends I understand what we're a part of is very, um, very close. <laughs> Everyone's just, you know, we're all taking care of each other's kids. We're all coming together. It's wonderful, but I would like some sort of, I, I don't want any sort of like secrecy or anim- like if there's animosity, let's talk about it. Let's not, you know, mm-hmm. hide anything and squash it because that's where issues tend to happen in my past relation, my, you know, monogamous ones. So don't really want to carry that over. That seems like a good yeah. <laughs> I support that. Yeah, I can say it all I want. Let's see what actually happens. <laughs> uh, so why do you think you are poly? I think I am because in my monogamous relationships, I would, you know, somebody else would catch my eye and I'd think, oh, well, if I liked that person, if I have feelings for them, it must mean I don't love the person I'm currently with as much. Therefore, we must end this relationship and run away and go see what else is out there. Like, you know, the grass is always greener sort of thing. I think which is not true, <laughs> but, you know, in a, in poly, it allows you to explore a crush. It allows you to explore, you know, thinking someone's real cute, go get coffee, um, without have, without you feeling like you're taking away from the other person because everyone knows everyone is talking. Everyone, um, 
it's all on the up and up. It's no one's hiding anything. Mm -hmm. Why did you agree to be interviewed? You asked me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I have like in listening to podcasts and reading stuff, I haven't really heard anyone like me. Uh, Most people tended to be like, well, I've always known I was different. I always have known this is, you know, my, my journey. And I'm, you know, five years ago, I was like, oh, what, this is a thing. (laughs) And kind of got blindsided by the sudden realization. So, um, and I'm also not in a couple that's opening up. It's just me. I'm a single person right now. So it would be nice to get some other voices like this out there of like, you can be a single person and also you can be almost 30 and having these realizations, it's okay. <laughs> you don't have to know from when you're a teenager. Right, you, you, yeah. can, <laughs> you could have been questioning until this year. <laughs> or not even questioning. Or not even question, or you just didn't know. Like, wait, this is an option? It's yeah. so nice to be suddenly given an option. <laughs> Well, thank you for agreeing to be interviewed. And I know, um, you know, we're, you, we've got some more stuff we want to talk about after the break. Okay. But yeah, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Polyamory Uncensored is excited to announce a brand new product. We have designed a planner and journal specifically geared for polyamorous individuals. If you're a fan of the podcast, you know that I love recommending journaling to our guests and audience members. After about the 50th time or so I caught myself suggesting it, I thought to myself, there should be a journal specifically designed for us polyamorous folks. One that includes a planner, because of course we'd be planning, and one that prompts us to go deep into our poly lives. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the just plain complicated truths. (laughs) And I wanted to put together a space where you could go if you needed to vent out all of those really hard poly drama feelings. So I designed the Polyamory Uncensored Planner and Journal. This little book includes a full year planner for the year 2021, as well as self-discovery pages, guided journal with polyamory themed prompts and resource guide pages so that you can keep track of the books and podcasts and websites that you find helpful in your poly journey. Get yours today for yourself or the thoughtful polyamorist in your life at tinyurl.com slash poly2021. That's tinyurl.com slash poly2021. In doing so, you support me and this podcast. Thank you so much. I love you. Bye. All right. And we are back and um, talking to Nicole today. We are actually just going to cover uh, a little bit of a, a lot of things about being new to this community and uh, this like culture of polyamory, queerness, and awesomeness. So, in the first half of the um the podcast, you talked a little bit, you alluded to um, finding your community in the context of becoming friends with people who were out as bi or out as poly or out as queer. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about like how that then spurred you to come to your own identity? Like what's the, tell us about the journey. (laughs) So uh, this kind of started the journey to finding who I actually was because Growing up small town, I just went with the group that you had your little friends from like preschool until you graduated. I barely changed friends in that whole time. And then suddenly we graduated, went to college. And that's where I found nerds. 
I found I, I'm a huge, I should have said that up top. I'm a huge nerd. I play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I love everything about that. I found nerds. So that was the first time I found a community of people I really resonated with, really felt like, oh, okay, I'm not weird. <laughs> and then that with a lot of nerds and stuff like that, we had queer people in there who came out in college as you often do. And I was seeing that and I was like, oh, that's really great. But I still didn't know bi wasn't a thing, <laughs> a real like option. Um, I was sort of involved in the LGBT groups, but not real heavily because I didn't think I was part of the community. I knew I was an ally. I knew that, mm -hmm. but I didn't know that I, sh I should have been also part of it. Um, but then when I moved to Milwaukee and I lived with um, a performer here, he um, was also a trans man and just told me his story and coming to terms with yourself and through that and through seeing um, people identifying as bi, people identifying as pan and um, all the other LGBT plus terms. I was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe those weren't just, you know, quote, girl crushes. Maybe that was our actual real crushes and we should maybe start to examine that part of ourselves and just being confronted more with like, oh, like positive reinforcement for that of like, oh yeah, it's okay. You you don't have to adhere to the gender binary when you like someone, you can just like who you like, <laughs> it's okay. No, you have to pick one category. <laughs> I know, you only And only one. one category forever. And it has to be 50-50. Um, <laughs> but then, uh, then meeting Sandy and meeting her group and just seeing Polly and open bias being just very open. These are very, she will talk to you about anything and everything very open really helps um like you had mentioned you don't see me as a very quiet person you see me in context of another very open person who's really helped me come out of my shell <laughs> i used to talk about nothing and i'll talk about anything and i'll be on a podcast when you ask me uh Yay. so yeah it's it's been a whole journey of just accepting myself for littler parts getting to the bigger so when i first you know i realized oh you can play dungeons and dragons you can also kiss girls if you want <laughs> <laughs> It's a slippery slope. It's a slippery First slope. You roll a dice and then you start kissing girls. Roll for initiative to kiss girls. <laughs> and, and now that I have come to that truth about myself, I feel like it's a good, like, set, like it's a good settling place to start, if that makes sense. I am a solo poly person. I live by myself for the first time in like six years. I moved to Milwaukee for a roommate. I was, uh, then I lived with some partners. I was briefly engaged. That was bad. And then um, just been kind of jumping around and I finally moved, you know, just down the street from those very close good friends. <laughs> but it's it's nice to finally feel like, okay, I can settle in physically into a space so I can settle in emotionally and like with myself. So I feel like I'm in a very good place right now. So that's sort of the starting point yeah. for like really exploring all of these new identities. Like you've set this great context. Yeah. Like there's a, so then what happens kind of so question. That's a great question. So then what happens? <laughs> uh, I, uh, when I realized I was bi about like two years ago, I got involved in the bi Milwaukee group because they had a crafting thing and I'm a, a crocheter. And so I crochet and do that sort of stuff. So I could go, and it was a very like introverts, intro to being with group of people that I don't know, which is great. <laughs> I could sit there quietly making a scarf and just, you know, talk if I wanted to. So because it's taken me a while to be able to talk and share my experiences. Um, so I think 
just getting more involved in the actual groups and meeting other people because while I do have this fantastic group of people here, it would be nice to, when it's safe, <laughs> meet other people and, and get more involved and just, you know, expand my group. Right. Uh, how has dating like transformed from monogamous dating and I don't know to what extent or how much you did but then also then to poly dating granted I know that you said that like now during the pandemic it's it's not much but um so how has that or even just the mentality about dating changed uh it's I haven't done any poly dating I mean I I have a smoochy friend in this group we'll affectionately call him (laughs) (laughs) which is great that we're that's a a fabulous label (laughs) my smoochy friend um I, we, there's a constellation about, you know, everyone. I said, I'm like Pluto. I'm there. I'm not a whole planet, but I'm there. (laughs) I'm also like the shortest one, so we're fine. (laughs) But, um, it's definitely, I, am not doing any real dating. I'm, I deleted all the apps because I am not going to go meet somebody. No one is worth risking my life, um, (laughs) right now or theirs if I'm, you know, but I, it's definitely made me think about like, okay, is this something i put on a tinder bio and already I'd put that I was by on tinder which gets your own you know unicorn hunters and all that sort of stuff so I'm imagining Polly is just another version of like opening the door to some weirdos but you know that's online dating um but also listening and, and we are the weirdos too sometimes <laughs> it's like weirdos in a good you guys right. are weirdos good way there's like there are certainly <laughs> people who are del- not so delightfully creepy right yes absolutely a lot of dating apps <laughs> yes in the yeah. world so actually listening to you guys talk about like okay cupid and like other online things i'm like when I, when it's safe to do so and i want to get out there i'm gonna kind of outsource my like hey <laughs> help me write a <laughs> help me write a book <laughs> it's hard to talk about myself in writing <laughs> yeah. yeah um well i think the real issue more than anything else is being able to like okay delete 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 yeah like nope 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 yeah just quickly get through them but I think I I mean it's it's kind of like a conversation I'm very upfront about my like kind of what I know are personal deal breakers for a lot of people in dating I was already pretty upfront like I went on a date with one guy back in February and on the first date I was like I'm never having my own kids and I'm an agnostic at best knowing full well those are two very contentious things in dating that like if you don't jive with these things we're not going to work and I don't want to waste your time so I feel like it's it just going to kind of add to I'm very blunt and you're either going to like that or not mm-hmm. at first and then kind of just being blunt like I am poly I'm not this is not going to be a, not, a monogamous relationship um if you're not poly already like you know we can have some conversations but geez I'm new too I can't also teach somebody <laughs> right yeah <laughs> that's tricky for sure yeah <laughs> But you can be clear about what you want, which is oh, like, yeah. I want to date you, but I don't want to commit to being monogamous yeah. with you. And, you and, know. Yeah. So it'll be uh, an interesting road, I'm sure, once I start getting back into dating. Once this is all over. Yes. I wish I had a day on that. I wish I could just look forward and to like the calendar, but it's just like, I, never, I don't know what. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of optimistic that like a year from now we'll be in a better place yeah like, I just want it back my I turned 30 next year I would like to at least see people <laughs> celebrate your birthday yeah it's in the summer though we can meet outside okay all right <laughs> I was oh, I was pregnant on my 30th birthday so I did not I mean I celebrated but I didn't get to celebrate as lavishly as 
because <laughs> I wanted to be able to. Uh, but I had a really great 31st birthday, so that was fine. <laughs> um, so you had mentioned that, you know, some of the things that were slightly difficult were, were coming to jealousy issues. And do yeah. you think that those were uh, different, like monogamously dating, or did you still have them back uh, when you were like when you identified as monogamous or do you think they're mostly kind of like a new thing because there are more people involved? So as far as jealousy goes, there was a previous episode you guys did with um, Sean. He talked about um, kind of identifying what you're jealous of rather than just pushing it on the person. And I think I used to just push it on the person. If they were spending time with their friends, if they were, you know, out doing things that um, I was jealous of, it wasn't that I was jealous of that person doing it was oh I also wish to be going out and doing fun things I could go do that but instead I will sit here and stew and just be mad uh so I that that episode was really kind of eye-opening for me and as far as the jealousy thing and things that I'll you know keep check of certainly as best I can but yeah in monogamous relationships the jealousy tended to go the other way with people because I am a theater person I am out I am doing things and I tended to not date theater people monogamous or just when theater people yeah when I was dating monogamous, like, I dated a couple times a theater person and, and you know they're fine but yeah it tended to be that I was going out <laughs> and doing the things and then I would I wouldn't understand why they didn't just also go do the things uh so I think that is the- yeah if you're dating poly people there's at least more of a assumed language to talk about that? yes the, the communication thing of just like keeping the lines of communication really open which i never was good at because i didn't have the language to do it i we just kind of would stew on it and then eventually break up um <laughs> so yeah that doesn't sound fun no no it wasn't good <laughs> and i think but, that poly people are so generally at least the poly people i know and surround myself with are so busy otherwise they have so many other things going on that i never worry about my partners like sitting home alone you know, like I never have to worry about that. I'm like, here you it's have stuff to do. Before times. Yes, yes, yes. Right, yeah. Right now they probably are. Now but, nobody's uh, doing anything. Yeah. At least uh, us, if we're sitting home alone, it's because we want to sit home alone and do not bother this time. This is precious. Right. And even even in the before times, yeah. If they if they were sitting home alone, that could be like the one night that month that they got to themselves and that was like beautiful in its own way you know <laughs> yeah in fact I remember Cunning Minx had an episode at least a year ago probably where um she talked about how um you know if you should have like one night or two night a week nights a week with your partners and then like you know the same number of nights a week for yourself <laughs> and, and like everybody should you know allocate like it was sort of like a here's how you should allocate your time and you have two nights a week for this partner two nights a week for that partner and three nights a week to yourself and I was like oh my god that's like a fantasy that's yeah awesome. can you even imagine I can't even imagine yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. take the time for me time mm-hmm. but yeah the underlying point of it is important to have time for yourself as well is yeah. well taken though I do feel like um I mean, last week accepted, last week was a very bad week. But in general, in 2020, I feel like, oh, yeah, I am well, I have all the me time I need. <laughs> right. We stocked it, it up. I'm full up. <laughs> well, because of 2020 being how it is, spending all this time alone, I was doing show after show after show after show, didn't take time for myself, was dating here and there monogamously. And then suddenly we were all forced to just stop. <laughs> and that really made me evaluate 
every aspect of my life <laughs> um, made me realize, oh, you can't just keep doing shows constantly. You need the time for yourself. And also maybe your dating isn't working because you are not a monogamous person. You need to reevaluate that and start that journey of really um, coming to terms with that. I mean, I'd been kind of questioning it for a little while, but really stopping, like having, being forced to stop mm -hmm. <laughs> really helped with that and just taking the time to, to evaluate everything, which is good to a point. I'm done now. I, right. I can be done now. <laughs> Let me try and Wouldn't practice. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Here we are in the fourth most plague infested state in the entire uh, country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it might be a minute, uh, but <laughs> uh, you had also mentioned a little bit about having uh, communication issues. Uh, what exactly are those? Or is it just like a, a shyness thing, an introvert thing? It's, it definitely comes from an introvert thing. It also comes from an, I'm a very blunt person because I'm an introvert. My brand of introvert is very blunt because I don't want to waste time. <laughs> I don't, I want to just get to the point <laughs> and just not. So it's either I will confront you about everything at once or I will bottle it all up because I have repressed Midwestern guilt. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Can't relate at all. <laughs> right. So it's, being open and honest with people in relationships is never something that I've been particularly good at just expressing my needs and saying, you know, this is what um, it's going on with me right now. I'm more of a caregiver person. I will try and fix your problems all day, every day before I try and fix mine uh, because it's <laughs> coping, I guess it's a diversion for myself. So it's, it's been fun actually to just be open and honest with these friends and just say, this is what I need from you right now and be met with, oh, okay, let me help you. That's been jarringly wonderful. <laughs> I actually relate a hundred percent. When you bring, when you bring us in the group, anyone brings something in the group text of like, hey, I need this now. There's like three people in there also saying like, okay, I can do this. I can do that. It's like, oh, right. Can you wait till four o'clock? <laughs> yeah. But, um, which is something I would seek in any sort of partner, because even if I don't have a smoochy friend in this group, these are my, these are my people. <laughs> uh, you have to understand we're all going to probably be like this for a good long time, hopefully till, you know, we all die in these apartments, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite committed to dying in my apartment, but all <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, I think, um, finding a group of people who care about you and you care about them in that same like caring for way is really yeah. an amazing thing, whether- The chosen family, the, these are the people who actually, these are your real ride or dies. <laughs> these, yeah. are, these are the ones who will pick you up when you're sick at work and take you to go get your COVID test. <laughs> totally. So I don't know if you, in your um, like identity section question, did you identify as solo poly or you said single poly? I'm a single person. I You, you said single. Single. Mm -hmm. I would, at this point I'm solo. So I, and the way I'm loving how much living alone is for me, probably going to be solo poly for quite some time. I don't, uh, I, in this evaluating myself, Self, I've realized like, oh, I don't need a nesting partner. And in fact, it's nice having this smoochy friend who then goes away mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and I can like starfish on my bed. <laughs> no one's there. Uh, so it's, I, I, at least for this immediate future. And again, once it's safe to date, we'll 
we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but I think I would be solo poly for quite some time and it's going to take a pretty particular person <laughs> or, your space more. Yeah, and, or set of people or whoever, whoever to really invade my, yeah, like you said, invade my space more. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <Space> invaders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to me how the pandemic has really created a space for people to look at their lives like that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, do I want to be in a nesting relationship or not? Do right. I want to be in my own space and have partners who go away again or not? Like, it's yeah. really the opportunity for questioning life like that. I don't feel like, I mean, it feels like such a almost unavoidable aspect of <laughs> quarantine and the pandemic yeah. that I can't imagine how those conversations, those conversations are just inherently different now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it, in evaluating, because I briefly mentioned I was engaged, uh, it was a monogamous relationship also. Um, and one of the myriad of reasons why I called that off was the idea of living with one person for the rest of my life and that's it, uh, was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and that particular person was not great, but um, just that idea to me is, just the one person like the idea of a nesting partner is not terrible <laughs> in a poly context but in a monogamous way it was very 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 scary and I, I think now I realize I, that's why it's because I'm not a monogamous person by you know what, whatever's in me but at the time it was just like the fight or flight really kicked in among, with other things but that was definitely part of it right it starts to feel oh, oh go ahead Oh, I was just going to say, it starts to feel kind of like a, a prison sentence or something that yes. you're like, oh no, I'm committing myself to this. Yeah, yeah that ring was, oof. <laughs> this is kind of a digression, but I want to flag, I think it'd be really interesting to hear from um, married or nesting partnered um, folks about whether they too have had that kind of self-evaluation over the course of this pandemic. Because- mm. We've been, you know, super like, yes, yes, we're having these thoughts and conversations, but we are both solo poly people. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious to hear from people who um, who don't identify as solo poly too, if, you know, what kinds of conversations, if any, are those having, you know, if you are a married couple who is poly, but has the nesting relationship or marriage, I'm curious mm -hmm. about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know, I mean, just from my experience, it, it's interesting hearing a lot of my solo poly friends talk about being really lonely. And I, and I totally understand that. Talk about going out and dating, just in totally risking their and other people's lives because they're so lonely. And actually, I can't fault them because I'm just like, that's really unsafe. But also the other options are horrible depression. And I totally get that. And then over here in my house, I am have been like fantasizing about taking an entire week off of work and going in an Airbnb and never seeing another soul for a while, you know, like, cause I am overwhelmed yeah. with just having my husband and daughter on top of me at all times, you know, like, so, so it's the exact opposite. And I think that pretty much everyone in this pandemic is experiencing one or the other. It's like crazy mm -hmm. loneliness or I wish I could get away from my family for a second, but I can't, you know, like, so. Trying to figure out how can we make risk aware choices to bubble up with people that, yeah. you know, are, where's our comfort level in those things. And right. yeah. it's, I think a huge challenge because um, 
we all have to be DIY epidemiologists now. Yeah, so yes. There's no government leadership that we trust that says this is safe, this isn't safe, here are appropriate yeah. boundaries and variables. So we're all making it up regardless of whether yeah. we- With our know, fingers crossed. Right, exactly. <laughs> For the best, yeah. Because I was, I had two roommates before moving and didn't talk to them much or touch them. So I was definitely feeling the extreme loneliness, touch starved everything until August when I was starting to move here. And Sandy came to me, she's like, what do you think about potting up with us since you're gonna live right up the street? You know, we all like, here's the steps we're taking, what step, we know what steps you're taking. And then we had to like talk to everybody. They were already grouped up with like, okay, can we add this other person? And I remember getting the text of like, okay, we're good to go. They show up at my front door and just the biggest hug. And it felt so good. That's <laughs> like, awesome. I always remember my first hug after being quarantined for, you know, five months, six months, whatever that was just, yeah. Like you said, making risk aware choices, it's, especially yep. with winter looming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you, you can't probably tell listening to this, but Nicole and I are sitting in the same room yeah. uh, because we have these pod connections that we decided, all right, we're now all, you know, sharing these germs anyway so <laughs> might we, as well we can just openly acknowledge that fact and recognize we're in each other's potential Lives. risk bubble yep. and so mm -hmm. there we go but we have discussed making a you know every three to four week girls night out where we go get covid tests just mm -hmm. you know yeah. say because fun, that just fun things also, yeah, yeah just, please tickle my brain with a q-tip oh, wine and covid night yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's one of the things that we're trying to do to stay risk aware and careful and, you know, because, yeah. because our, all of our mental health is clearly improved by yes. human contact being, oh yes, absolutely yes. Being with other people. And yeah. I think that even monogamous families, couples, families, whatever are doing that they're potting up with another family down the street or the neighborhood, like their so that their kids have someone to play with or to learn you know like going to one person's house and they're all uh distance learning on their computers together i've seen that uh, you know with lots of different family styles have you know and and definitely a lot of the polycules in the community are potting up together we have uh, some pretty serious health issues in our family so that prevents us from doing that but we definitely have future goals to you know incorporate more people in the pod when or in our pod yeah in our bubble <laughs> in our bubble when it's a little bit safer too you know especially yeah. as the numbers grow that's it's like oh gosh that's the risk aware yeah chapter, exactly right? yeah like yeah. your risk level is higher than an average person's so right. you yep. have to take higher levels of precautions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I definitely think about like, well, if I was solo poly or if I was single or, you know, or if, if my husband didn't have health issues, what would our, you know, what would our pod look like? What would our, uh, our lives look like? And it, it would be a little different. And, you know, every day that goes on that our partners, our outside partners who we're not seeing don't have COVID, it just feels like, oh, eight months wasted and I could have been with them, you know, like, but also <laughs> it's better safe than sorry, you know? So right. we, you just kind of keep having to like tell, ch chant that as my mantra every day. It's better safe than sorry. It's okay. It'll only be maybe another year. It's fine. You know? <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, I think that that's something too, where, you know, back in, in March, we certainly never could have imagined 
it would have gone the way it's gone. Yeah. Right. And so the things that we did that were cautious then now feel all the more critical because Wisconsin is now a hot spot and right. want to protect everyone. High level of risk is so much higher than it was back in March when we were not as used to being cautious. Yeah. So we were maybe being more careful, but now we know that we really needed to be more careful and it's, even more, even are more. Being more yeah. careful because the world is getting more scary instead of less. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's going to be a, a road, definitely maybe a long one, but, but you know, yeah, I do have hope. I am optimistic. I'm opti- and we say this one week before the election. <laughs> I'm very optimistic, but I'm also cautiously optimistic. <laughs> all, all fingers and toes crossed. Uh, <laughs> you haven't voted, go vote. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I am going to be releasing this today. So if you have not early voted, please go vote. And if you have a, a plan to vote, uh, you know, there are a lot of places to go look. I mean, if you're in Wisconsin, I think it's uh, myvote.wi, something like yep. that. Uh, yep. yeah. Please go vote. Please go out. Please, please vote. <laughs> yeah, I dropped my, um, so because my husband can't go out, uh, really leave the house ever, I dropped his ballot off the other day and there was a line around the block for early voting and it just, it warms my heart so much. I'm so happy. People are really, I think people are excited to go and vote and that's yeah. really, that's really good. It will make uh, for a better I, tomorrow. <laughs> my dad was in the hospital last week and when he was released from the hospital, he made us drive past City Hall on the way back to his house uh, so that he could stop and vote. Nice. The, out of the hospital. Like, okay, we're seeing some serious commitment. I mean, he would never have missed an election anyway, but I feel like in normal times, maybe he wouldn't have said we have to do this on their way home from the hospital. <laughs> yeah, right, right. One of my other questions that I had was about being like newly queer by, you know, whatever. And you said that that was a, re- a relatively recent like identification change, but not necessarily a different actual identity. Yeah. Change in your identity is who you are. Right. Um, but Wait, there are people who don't look at their friends. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but has that been a struggle at all or, or just like different or, or maybe the opposite? Has it been awesome? It's actually a both. little, a little of both yeah. um, where, you know, coming to terms with yourself. Um, I mean, I'm not late in life by any means but later than a lot of people you know come to terms with that it's been like oh there's there's a source of my of some of that anxiety that would have been nice to have vocabulary for before uh, but it's here now so we'll just take it now uh so it's it's been great to have so many great examples around me and a great community of queer people um especially milwaukee especially like pride and everything like that so it's been nice that way but yeah, the struggle of like, oh, it would have been really nice to know that I wasn't repressing something so hard. Because obviously, like, even though I didn't know I was repressing it, you're repressing it. You're mm-hmm. you're um, squashing down that side of you that really truly is in love with like your best friend, maybe, or like mm-hmm. somebody, um, somebody else. And you just think, oh, well, everyone must think this way. And then when you're told no by people, <laughs> that's really jarring. So it's because I... I think I might have questioned it a little when I was younger, but then I was confronted with no, no one. Why would you think that? I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. It's cool. It's just, a, it's just a joke. Ha 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 ha. Uh, <laughs> it's nice now. You know, it's here now. I can't change what happened in the past, so we'll just move forward from here and live in my truth now. Sure. When you oh, talk about um, these parts of your journey, they sound really intertwined. 
in the way you talk about them. Is that your experience of them too? Or yeah, it's kind of all come at me like freight train of like, oh, here's fun fact you buy, fun fact you're poly, fun fact you're a, like better off solo, fun fact you prefer dogs to cats. Like, there's, there's been a lot of personal growth in the past few years of just um, because I'm always prided myself on being a chameleon person who I will be what you want me to be. I will mm. change myself in a relationship. I will change who I am. Um, to fit even in stage managing each director has their own style that they prefer in a stage manager and i will i will gladly change myself to fit what you want uh so now that i am able to think introspectively of like no no that's not good that might const- be unhealthy yeah that might be also a source of your anxiety <laughs> parts of it um just dealing with that and being and finally realizing okay no there is a truth you can actually be in there is this like who you are is these things you don't have to change them or squash them down just because you think you should be pleasing everyone um that's not good you should (laughs) so I actually didn't I don't think I openly identified as queer and I definitely didn't openly identify as poly until I moved to Milwaukee do you think there's something about like either Milwaukee as a city or big city life, as opposed to like, I mean, growing up in a town of 2000 people, it's obviously a lot more complicated and it's a lot more, or you have to be feel, you have to be a lot more closeted, but I didn't even really explore until I came to Milwaukee. So do you think there's something about either this city or, or just living in a big city that helps? Definitely living in a big city helps. I, um, now that I've lived in Milwaukee for six years, I like the small town yet big city aspect Milwaukee has. Small Milwaukee, yeah. (laughs) Small Milwaukee. It's a great thing where you are given the freedom and lots of different groups and people and walks of life to come across and be exposed to. But you also have like, yeah, small Milwaukee, especially in the theater community, everyone knows everyone. (laughs) Any sort of performing things. I'm sure Lindsay, you and I can go back and forth on probably all our mutual friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, and considering almost all of the uh, burlesque group in Milwaukee are also in the poly group, uh, the, yeah. the layers of, of, of different small communities yeah. start, start overlapping. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I do. Like, I've never lived in a small town, but I did live in Atlanta. And one of the things that I learned being like a queer person in Atlanta is that pretty much every queer person I met was from somewhere else in the South and they all like converged on Atlanta. Oh, wow. Definitely like a way to, it's safe enough to be who you are where in your community of origin, maybe it wasn't. And I suspect that that's probably not a uniquely Southern thing. It was just a thing that I saw more clearly when I lived there than I've seen in other places. Yeah, I now I've, I, uh, this past coming out day, I think I posted my first ever thing of like, I'm bi. Surprise if you didn't know. Uh, which, you know, if you're a close friend of mine or like my mom knew. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was, it was surprising to see the different people like liking it. And I'm like, oh yeah, you wouldn't have done this. Mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. I haven't talked to you in six years. Oh, well. Um, but I remember like in high school, somebody said, oh, I thought she was a lesbian about me. And I'm like, oh lesbian how dare you like I am oh yeah straight. totally look at me in my straight person cuff jeans mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well no both of my parents actually assumed and 
asked me about being a lesbian and this was before I this was like I was definitely in my questioning phase until I was like 20 so I was like I mean I don't think I am I have crushes on boys but I don't I don't know and they were like okay that's fine but like the fact that you're not dating and and pregnant at 15 is really alarming to us you know (laughs) that's all of they that they have experienced like my mom got pregnant at 15 her my grandma got pregnant at 15 my sister got pregnant at 15 like it was like a ridiculous chain of events and then also her daughter got pregnant at 15 my niece it's a lot and uh no she got that is actually the biggest predictor of teen pregnancy is if you are had a a chain Yeah, yeah yeah that makes sense I was lucky in that my mom, uh, growing up, I don't know if she told my sister this as much as she told me, but she's like, you know, it's, it's okay if you ever bring home a girl, <laughs> like she didn't, we didn't talk about much growing up, but she did make a point to say that I could bring home a girl. <laughs> and I don't know if my sister also got that sort of talk, but she did ask me a couple times, like, I, I, no <laughs> thanks mom thanks, but uh... <laughs> um, and even out my mom is kind of the outlier up in our little small communities she has her little biden sign out in a sea of mm, red yeah so, she and she's had her own journeys with everything but yeah it's it's been nice to know at least my mom's got my back on that <laughs> that is really good but i remember when um one of, one of my older sisters was going to a therapist and they were talking about different kind of like tropes or roles that kids fall into especially with with families that have more than like more than one or two kids and there was the the role of the mascot who was always like happy and getting people together and they're usually the oldest child and then there's the middle child who which I fell into uh which was like potentially uh potentially gay that was another thing that they said like (laughs) like artistic uh a little bit more introverted, uh, maybe quiet or shy. There was the scapegoat is what the other uh, role was called. And they're the wild child who acts out. And that was my sister who was going through therapy at the time. Um, and uh, and then sometimes like the baby who's always like coddled and, and can never do wrong. Uh, and we had four girls and it just kind of like made sense. All of these roles were happening with like all the different people. And so because my sister's therapist who had never met me uh, said that these were roles that existed in, you know, cliche families or whatever. Yeah. Like they, they, it's a possibility. My mom initially uh, immediately was like, Oh, so you're the middle child. And therefore all of these things are true about you. So are you gay? And I was like, I was like 13. I was like, again, I don't know. Why do you keep asking me? <laughs> Yeah, because you're not sneaking off with the boys. Yeah, exactly. What's wrong with you? <laughs> mm-hmm. You're rebelling wrong. Yeah, yeah. My rebellion was like not dating. It was like like being asexual. <laughs> so you had mentioned a little bit of like having anxiety, um, maybe in general or or just about this. But like, does do po- any poly aspects give you anxiety? Um, well, I have generalized anxiety disorder, so waking up gives me anxiety. Um, okay. Fair. <laughs> well, that's, that's a joke, but I do have an, a, a diagnosed anxiety thing. I've been constantly nervous since I was little, and you know, we're that's also a journey we've been on. <laughs> but I've known about that. When, that I got language for before even college. So that was nice. But um, I think just the. I think for right now, it's the encroaching on my space. <laughs> like I, I'm willing, I want to go date and be a part of people's lives, 
but um, we in our little queue have had like a, a kind of shakeup and things this past week that really sent me in a tailspin. But this is also an unusual time and circumstance. <laughs> but um, I think just learning what my like what I can handle, where you know eventually polysaturation level will be, um, things like that. So it's just it's all new, but I. I can kind of calm the anxiety a little bit by knowing that I have a great support system. I have great people in my life. I have wonderful people in my life. Like, <laughs> And you can tell us all to go away and we will. Exactly. That's <laughs> part is, y'all go away if I ask. That's, that's a sign of a good friend. <laughs> you will just go away. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just the whole, like being new is an anxious kind of a state. And I'm also just anxious to get started. Like, to really go to polysocials, to go be part of these things and to- But I miss getting to come to the group and like <laughs> hang out and then yeah. go here afterwards. So yeah, and it, yeah, I think just with everything else going on in the world, that is another aspect of like something I'm missing out on and something that I really want to be a part of. And so it's just compounded by literally everything else that is 2020. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's such a like unprecedented time when, when someone going out like to dinner in an in-person restaurant or like an in, in inside of a restaurant could could cause you to break up with them you know like because yeah. you're like okay you're an unsafe person and sure. I don't want to be around you <laughs> you know I'm like insensitive. I don't trust the choices you're making what other bad judgments <laughs> right you what continue else, to make what else you what else you not caring about so much that would exactly and, and in any other time that's such a small thing but right now everything is huge and like threatening yeah yeah yeah. yeah, it's true. <laughs> so do you have any advice for poly noobs? Uh, find friends, <laughs> find people, no matter what other stages of the journey they're at. And I know if you can't go meet them in person, as everyone's getting real good at Zoom, um, read the books they tell you to read. I'm reading Ethical Slut right now. Uh, listen to any podcast you can get your hands on. I mean, it might not all pertain to you, as I found, <laughs> but it's still good to hear the stories and feel the sense of community that you are not weird and you're not alone. And I think Facebook groups are great too. Like we yeah. have a particularly good one here locally, but there are other good ones out there in the world that may not be geographically based. And, yeah. you know, some may not be great, but you can try some till you feel like you're clicking with people. Yeah. And if you feel mm -hmm. like, oh no, this is full of assholes, then, you know, you can quit it again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Find a different one. Find, find some people that to talk to just especially I mean especially now like you need people to talk to but if you, if you are new and also discovering this in a pandemic it makes it a thousand times harder <laughs> absolutely just, well thank yeah. you for joining us today thank you for having me mm -hmm. thank you for saying yes when I asked you to, oh, if we could interview you <laughs> and that is it from us at polyamory uncensored we have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams we'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer and thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye. Bye.